Hi, this is Jessica Holmes from Sweetest Menu, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey everyone, real quick, I want to take a moment just to tell you a little bit about Clarity, a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. Using Clarity, you can create projects to help you optimize and refresh old content on your site. Say you want to go into your old posts and add some internal links to keep readers on your site. You can figure out which of your posts don't already have internal links, assign those posts to a campaign so you know which posts need to be updated. Then you can track your work as you update those posts all within the Clarity app. Clarity users have direct insights that will help them identify which posts to update, figure out what they should be updating and adding to those posts, and understand the impact their updates have with a direct integration into their Google Analytics accounts. If you're interested in learning more and potentially becoming an early adopter of Clarity, you can go to Clarity, that's spelled with an I, so C-L-A-R-I-T-I dot com forward slash eat blog talk to sign up for the waiting list and take advantage of their $25 a month forever plan. Go to clarity.com forward slash eat blog talk, or you can check out the resources page on eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources. Hey there, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 330. Today, I am super excited. I have Jessica Holmes with me for the second time. She was a very early guest early on, so now she's back to talk to us about using words to connect with readers and how this can be your secret weapon. Jessica Holmes is the content writer and recipe developer at Sweetest Menu. She worked as a UX copywriter and content designer for over a decade while also creating her own food blog. She gained serious traction as a food blogger and eventually took her side hustle full-time in 2020. She now spends her time creating content and writing recipes for Sweetest Menu. Jessica, it is such a pleasure to have you back today. How are you doing? I know it's super early on your side of the world. How's it going today? No, thank you for having me, Megan. I'm good. I'm very excited to be here. It's been, I think, almost three years since we talked. So a lot has happened. Yes, a lot (laughs) has happened in the world and in your family and otherwise. Oh, my gosh. So I'm super happy to catch up today and dig into a new topic. But first, we want to know if you have a second fun fact to share. Yeah, I was thinking about this and um, I thought, I was trying to think about something exciting that I've done with my life. And one of the things I thought was uh, that I used to actually work at one of Australia's biggest food magazines. I thought that was exciting to share because one of the privileges I had on the job was to go to the photo shoots and work alongside the chefs and the food stylists and the food photographers, which as a blogger is, you know, pretty exciting because it's everything that you're kind of doing, but on a, you know, very professional level. So that was super exciting. And I learned a lot through that experience. Well, that's so cool. Okay. At what point in your life did you do that? Was that recently or a while ago? Yeah, it was about, I think maybe like four years ago. It was really fun. It was very eye-opening actually as a blogger to see that a lot of the things that we do is what they're doing just on a greater scale, if that makes sense. So they'd still have the same setup, you know, with the boards or the photography, you know, final backdrops or whatever it was. But then, you know, the photography setup was next level. But yeah, and I was able to get a few styling tips from the food stylist, which was always 
really yeah, excited. Absolutely. That's so cool. And I'm sure that helps to round out what you do now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely went and um, chatted their ear off and tried to get <laughs> the advice that I could. <laughs> I bet. Yes. I think anyone in that situation would take advantage and learn as much as possible. That's, That's right. so cool. So last time you were here, Jessica, we talked about Instagram and we'll talk a little bit later about how this topic copywriting kind of ties in to your Instagram because I can see how writing really good social copy helped to grow your Instagram account because I know you grew it really fast. Mm -hmm. But we're going to focus on the copywriting piece and how using words can allow you to connect with your readers more deeply and how it can be a secret weapon for you. So would you mind just talking through your history with writing? I know you've been a writer for a pretty long time in different areas. So just talk us through all of that. Yeah, I, I did communications at university. I bounced around sort of the ad agency, media agency world for a little while. And then I landed my first job as a copywriter. And I just really fell in love with it, to be honest. I never really thought of myself as a writer. I didn't grow up sort of with that as my aspirations or anything. But yeah, I landed a job as a copywriter and I really enjoyed it. And I was doing a lot of digital writing. So that's where I sort of first started learning about SEO. And this was way before Sweetest Menu existed. And yeah, from there, I was able to really grow my career and work as a UX writer and work for some really big companies here. Yeah, and just really learn about about words and how important they are. And, you know, when you're writing for digital products and platforms and websites, how they can really help users navigate the product and achieve, you know, whatever their desired outcome is quickly and easily and that they really are a, a powerful force. Words like not just in blog posts, but like words anywhere are powerful. So whether you're writing emails or social copy or like any anything you're writing for, right? Absolutely. And that was one of the big eye-opening things was when I started working more on sort of like products and landing pages and things like that was so interesting how much time would go into deciding what were the two words that were going to be on a button, for instance, you know, what were we going to do? And we would have these meetings with a room full of copywriters and we would debate these questions for hours. And it might just be like a headline or, yeah, the writing for a button. And it was so eye-opening for me because I never thought about the power of words in, in that way until I started doing that professionally. And, yeah, it really impacted me and made me sort of take that into what we do as bloggers and, and really realize that, you know, a lot of people focus on photography and obviously like the recipe itself, but the actual words are a key part in what we do as well. So I'm sure you peruse many blogs and you've had your own blog for a while now. So what are some ways that we as bloggers can change it up and improve the way that we use words to connect with our readers? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's two kind of things that you can break down there. And one is just thinking about good writing. So one of the things, you know, professionally in my job, it was often um, one of the things I had to do was review a lot of other people's writing. And you began to see really clearly there was really clear mistakes that people would make when it came to writing. And it kind of, you could see it kind of distinguished between like good writing and really great writing. And some of those things include usually if, if it hasn't been written that well, it's usually too long is the biggest thing. So a lot of our time was spent editing, writing down. And 
you know, and I think as bloggers, you know, we have to, you know, length is something that is depends obviously on the recipe and what you want to say, but it's it's even thinking smaller than that and even thinking of like sentence length. So, you know, even if you put writing into one of these programs that will tell you your readability score, it's going to look at things like sentence length and the shorter the sentence usually within reason is better because it's easier for people to read and it's easier for people to digest. Yeah, so things like that, um, spelling mistakes is obviously a big one, obviously grammar and punctuation. And probably one of the other biggest things is consistency. And what I notice with myself and obviously with professional brands and bloggers is one thing that you can do to make your blog very professional or to kind of lift it up is uh, make sure that you're consistent. One thing I recommend to people is to create like a brand guide or a playbook or something for your site that has the rules that you're going to follow. So every time you go to write a recipe, you know exactly how you're going to, you know, those words that you know, might be one word, two words, hyphenated, things like that. It's like you need to sit down and choose what you're going to do for your brand and your site and then make sure you're consistent across the board. And it's the same with spelling or capitalising. Like are you going to capitalise or use sentence case for your recipe name or for your blog name, things like that. Yeah, so you can put that in a guide and then just make sure you stick to it and, and keep it consistent throughout your site and that will immediately make your site so much more professional. One of the other things that we always used to see was exclamation points. So people love to use exclamation points, but as a UX writer, it was a big no-no and you had to use it very, very sparingly. And I think people, you know, just get so enthusiastic, especially when we're doing food, you know, and it's like, this is the best recipe ever, you know. Five exclamation points. Yes, exactly. And it's like, you know, you just got to pull it back and keep it professional and just use one like here and there where it's where it's needed. But yeah, just make sure you're not like yelling at your readers. <laughs> right. Okay. So a few of the things you mentioned are huge pet peeves of mine. I just wanted to point out like the huge long sentences that are yeah. really wordy. Oh my gosh. I, I start picking them apart. I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't need that. You could replace that with one word. And it drives me crazy. And also spelling mistakes. That's such an easy way to just make your writing clean. And when I see a spelling mistake on someone else's content, I immediately think, oh my gosh, what are they thinking? Like, that's so judgmental. But I'm like, it's so easy to run a spell check and people should be reading through that. And that is just a personal pet peeve of mine. That's sorry. I just sounded totally judgmental. And that's the thing. I think we have no excuse these days, really, to have spelling mistakes. It's a big one. Um, but you'd be surprised how much it's out there. And obviously, like, you know, you're probably aware as, you know, when you're proofreading your own work, that's another thing that I always recommend is people get someone else to proofread their work because, yeah, you can just get blind to anything in your own work if you've just read, like, you know, your post over and over and over again. You could even pair up with a blogging buddy or an accountability buddy and just read each other's content. I think that would be a really good way to not have to invest money and get someone to look at your words. Yeah. And your partner, I always get my husband to read through my my writing as well as like a second as a second check. Yeah. And I don't pay him. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Do you have any quick tips for making your words more interesting so like maybe changing up verbs or I don't know just anything to make it more juicy 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's the second thing I was, I was actually thinking about before. So they were kind of like the common mistakes, you know, that everyone could kind of work out. And then to kind of make your words stand out to your readers, it's really about trying to inject your personality in into your writing. And that's a great example that you just said. One way is to really try and break out of using the same adjectives. A thesaurus is a wonderful tool and something everyone can can use for free and it's just a really good idea for bloggers when we're writing about a very similar subject you know usually every week or multiple times a week you really need to break out of using you know delicious and yummy and you know those really common words and yeah I think that's a great way of yeah just finding other words that you can use and also reading other people's writing And outside of your niche is a great way of just seeing how other people are using their words. And you might, you know, you know, you pick a word from here or there, you go, oh, I love that sentence, or I love the way they describe that, or I'm reading, you know, about a travel blog or something and how they've described something. And and you can, you know, use those words and bring, bring that into your own writing. But I think injecting your personality with stories can really help create meaning and a connection behind your recipes. And I feel like bloggers have had a really hard time because I don't know, I'm sure you've heard, but you know how people get mad at food bloggers because they say we ramble on and on and on and they're like, where is the recipe? You know, that joke that flies around the internet drives me crazy. (laughs) I understand, you know, way back in the day, blogging was more of something where people would write you know, long form about something that may not be directly related to the recipe, but we've all sort of moved past that now. But I think you can almost swing the other way where you start to write quite robotically and it's just like this is the recipe, here's how to make it, you know, here's what you need, like the end. And we're kind of missing that piece of like, but who are you and why are you excited about this recipe? Why did you decide to make it? And for me, it can be just something as simple as one sentence. So I'm not I'm not advocating for people to bring back the life story at the start of the blog. But yeah, it can just be something really simple. Like for me, I, I usually like to add in a reason why I made it. So, you know, I just say something as simple as, oh, I'm, you know, I'm making this beautiful biscuit because it reminds me of a biscuit I had when I went to Italy on holidays. Like, you know, whatever it is. Or another example was, oh, I made this because I've been watching this TV show and I saw them eat this chocolate cake that looked amazing, so I thought I'd make a copycat version. And, and you might go like, oh, I watched that show too, you know. And immediately you're, you're connecting with that person just on a very small but different way. And I think that's really what can distinguish bloggers from, you know, the bigger like media sites or the professional like food sites that are more corporate. It's like we're a person that's our strength and we can bring that into our blog. It is so easy to get into the robotic mode though with all of the SEO chatter and how we need to focus on that 100%. And I do it too. I'm guilty of this. I will get into grooves where all I do is write for Google and like in that format, that SEO format we're supposed to use. And then I forget that I'm actually a human being creating a recipe writing for other human beings. Exactly. And that's what I think it comes down to. And that's, you know, often what good writing comes down to is actually just not writing for even like in my professional job, it's not necessarily writing as the brand for the brand, you know, as you know, for Google, like you're saying, but actually for the person on the other side. 
that's what I think is so fun about when you know you use social media you really get to connect with your readers and it's a really great reminder like oh yeah like you know you see someone they'll send you a photo of, of a cake they made you know for their dad's birthday and you go oh yeah like this isn't just something I'm putting on the internet. This is something like someone else is going to my site, reading my post and then inviting me, you know, through that recipe into their, you know, birthday celebration. It's it's very real and it's very tangible. And But you're right, it's very easy to forget that. Yeah. How much, so you mentioned like even if it's just one sentence, injecting your personality in, how much do you personally and how much do you recommend others personalize their recipes and their blog posts? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it really comes down to what you're comfortable with. And obviously, there is that line between you don't want to bore people. The other thing with writing is obviously keeping things clear, simple, easy to read. So, you know, you don't need to waffle, I hate the word waffle on, but you know, you don't need to go like too far down where it's like going to be a bother to the to the reader. But yeah, I, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with one, two, three sentences where it fits. It's the same thing. It comes down where there's not exactly a number of words or, a, you know, a number of sentences, but it's just what actually makes sense. And sometimes, like for me, actually, one of my, a lot of my recipes come from a bakery in New York that really inspired me. And so I use, and I did a cooking class there. So I use a lot of what I learned in that class as my inspiration. So when I write the recipe, you know, I I do do a good paragraph, like this is where I went. This is what I learned. This is why I love what they do. And this is why I took this, this, and this and put it into my recipe. And I think, you know, someone can skip over that paragraph. That's the great thing about headings. You, You know, you can just scroll past that. But if someone's interested, then it's actually relevant. You know, it's not me just talking about, you know, my weekend. But, yeah, but it get, people immediately get to know me. They know where I went. They know why, why I did this, who's my inspiration behind it. And, yeah, they just they get to know me as a person as well, even in that really small way. And some niches, I think, lend to this more naturally. Like if you are, let's say, your family is Italian and you – are posting yeah. a lot about Italian food, then obviously those stories about your family making food are going to fit in much more easily and naturally than if like just me posting about my boring calorie laden American food. <laughs> like I don't really have many backstories aside from, wow, it was really hot out today. So we made whatever, you know, so like it just depends on your niche yeah. too. Yeah. And it could, I mean, it can be as simple as something like, oh, this is my husband's favorite salad. You yeah. know, it just, I mean, immediately just go, oh, she's married. Oh, she's, she's cooking for a family. Like it's, it's, it can be very small. And the other way you can also do it when we're talking more about the food blog and the food post is actually in the recipe itself. I think people forget that that is like your hero is, is actually, you know, you are a writer, you are a recipe writer and the recipe is the hero of your blog post. And you can write it very robotic and I think we're kind of trained to write it fairly robotic, which, that you know, they sort of need to be because they need to be very simple and clear. But you can add a little bit of direction and warmth without being flowery. And it can be, you know, one thing I kind of like to do is pare back and write the basic recipe as it is, you know, mix this, add that. But then it's adding just a few things back in, like to offer a little bit of direction, like sometimes for mine, because I do a lot of cakes and things, it might be like your cake batter might be a bit, like might be quite thick. 
but this is fine. You know, it might be like, oh, your cookie dough will be a little bit dry at this stage, but keep going and you'll, you know, it'll come together in minutes. Like it sounds like nothing, but it's a little something to just like hold your reader's hand and it's it's what you would say if you were in the kitchen with them, you know. And it's a little warmth like that. Actually, Jamie Oliver is a really good example of someone who adds a lot of personality to. If you go on and read his recipes, he often adds his personality in by, I mean, he's a cook, so he can be a little bit loose, fast and loose with some of his measurements. So, you know, he'll say, add a lug of olive oil, add a splash of pasta water or a knob of butter and toss it with your hands and, you know, serve it with a piping hot gravy. And like, you know, he just, he adds his personality. You read it, you can you can see it. So yeah, I think people forget that that you can add a little bit of personality into your actual recipes as well. Oh, I like what you just said about like piping hot gravy. I never think to add descriptors like that. I just don't. But what a cool idea to just use that little bit of extra something to describe your food so that people can envision it or taste it or smell it. Exactly. And, you know, even, yeah, the last line in a lot of recipes, you know, you might say, serve you know serve with ice cream or serve with you know whatever it is but yeah there's a little space there where you might go hey serve this with my you know beautiful vanilla buttercream or you know like whatever it is and when you're linking to another recipe like there's a little space there for you to put a little something something in there (laughs) oh wow I love that Food bloggers, I want to take a really quick second here to talk to you about something new that we're starting this summer I'm super excited about it I am loving this new movement of food bloggers who are digging into podcasting as a way to add an awesome, unique new layer to their business. I feel so passionately about this topic. Audio is so powerful and food bloggers digging into audio in the form of podcasting is going to be a huge, successful movement. It will be a way to expand your brand into new areas that you cannot even imagine There is an entire episode dedicated to this. So go listen to episode number 306 if you haven't already. And I promise you're going to be inspired to dig into audio yourself. As a way to support this movement, I am creating a group coaching experience starting in June of 2022. If you are interested in joining us, there are a limited number of spots available just because I want to give you all my dedicated attention. Send me an email at megan at eatblogtalk.com if you're interested. I am including an introductory rate. It's a monthly rate. If you want in, you will be locked in at that rate. Send me an email. Tell me you're interested in the group coaching for podcasters. And I can't wait to see you inside and I can't wait to see how this just totally explodes your business. All right, back to the episode. Okay, so I feel like part of the reason you have been so wildly successful on Instagram is because of your copywriting and the way that you write and connect with your readers that way. So do you have suggestions or tips for how to write snappy social copies specifically on like Instagram or Facebook? Yes, that's a great question. Instagram is a little tricky at the moment because they're forcing us to do reels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a bit of a bugbear for a few people. But, you know, you have to write a caption for a reel as well. It comes down to, obviously, it's a great place where you can showcase your brand's personality. And it also comes down to your readers and who they are. One thing I find is it's just a really great place to, you can get a little bit creative. So all those rules we talked about before, 
I mean, they obviously, a lot of them still apply like spelling mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. But you can get a little bit more creative. You can get a little bit more flowery. You can, you can, you know, you can keep it short and sweet, but you can write something longer if it's going to be of use to your readers. But again, it's kind of like sitting down and just really tapping into that creative aspect. I think you can really get into a rut on how you're writing and publishing, especially if you're just, if you're, you know, republishing the same recipes, you can just be like, oh, here's this cake, here's this cookie. And it's just about trying to get a little bit creative. I think outside the box, like we were saying before, use a thesaurus to get a little bit creative with the words that you're using and how you're describing your recipes. And it's a great idea if you can find different brands and people online that are doing fun things and learning from them so you know one of the one of my favorite brands that's completely irrelevant to food blogging is there's a a skincare brand in Australia called go to skincare and it's run by um Zoe Foster Blake and if you go on their website they are so clever I mean I assume she hasn't written at all but she's an amazing writer but her personality comes through on everything that they do And it's things like that where I can follow them completely non-related to food blogging, but I can get some great ideas on how they do their copy and how they engage with their readers on social and through their website. So, yeah, it's kind of like I guess my answer in short is really getting your inspiration, getting creative and getting inspired by other brands, what other people are doing and about your food so that you just make sure you don't get stuck in that rut when you're yeah when you're doing your social comedy because you have to do it so often and so consistently yeah can we do an example would you mind doing that like taking maybe two sentences and transforming them like something that maybe I would put on social and then tell me what your suggestions would be so I first of all want to make sure that's okay with you I didn't ask you this beforehand (laughs) (laughs) well let's give it a go okay (laughs) so I'll just tell you how I write I am like I don't know. I just like getting it out there ASAP as fast as I can. And then I don't put much thought into this. So you're giving me a new perspective for sure. I do write the same way over and over. And that's probably not great for the people reading because it's like, I just feel like I need someone to say, oh, why don't you talk about this? Or why don't you use this kind of verb? Or you know what I mean? Just like a little bit of suggestion. And yes. I think maybe that's what we all need for those of us who do feel like we get into ruts with writing, especially on social media. It's like, bang, get it out. I, I just want it published and I get into that mindset. I completely understand. That's why I often go to other people and other brands and things for inspiration because you can just get stuck in a rut and you could sit there and you can't think of another adjective to save your life, you know, on yeah. how to describe it. And that's why it's good to break out and also not just look at other, you know, food bloggers or food websites, but other brands and people doing interesting things outside of your niche as well. Yeah. I like your idea about just opening a thesaurus. That's so easy and something I never think about, but I tend to use the same descriptors for food, like yummy, delicious, amazing. I use amazing or the best. So maybe I could break out of that. There's so many ways to describe good food aside from those four descriptors. So I should like scrumptious or I mean there are so many ways to talk about it do you have some favorites what are I know you do a lot of baked goods what are some of your favorite ways to describe food I do use a lot of the words you just said (laughs) definitely guilty of that I was just thinking but yeah one of the things when I was 
working in writing professionally is I did have to have a thesaurus open all the time because it really is hard to not use the same words. I'm trying to think of what other words that I like to use. I think I like, I really enjoy describing textures. Mm. So I like talking, you know, if something is, is very tender, if something is juicy, if something is, I like being a little bit fun and laid back, you know, so if I'm describing a frosting and I'll say it's like, you know, like a dreamy, creamy frosting, you know, like that kind of using multiple words, like lovely lemon and, you know, whatever it is, just kind of trying to make it a little bit more enticing. Yeah. I like lovely lemon. I think I've used in the past luscious lemon together and I really like the L's together. I think that sounds so fun. Bit of alliteration. Right. Um, yep. Creamy, dreamy, dreamy, creamy. I've used that too before and I kind of ran with it for a while. I was like, ooh, I really like that. So I used it a couple times and then I stopped, but I love that too. The rhyming and the alliteration are great tips. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other good examples, but yeah. And I think obviously then, like you said, it's hard when you find something that you'd like not to just keep using it. I know. It. <laughs> They're like, well, what isn't dreamy creamy? Goodness, everything is. That's right. That's right. It's a good idea actually to, like we were talking before, when I was saying you can create a playbook and make sure you have your sort of rules on how you're going to use words, is to have a descriptor spreadsheet and jot them down. So you can jot down obviously your favorites and then if you come up with any new ones and then like I said, when you're reading or you're seeing something else or you might see a billboard or an ad or something on TV and you think, oh, that's a great word or I love the way they described that, put it in your sheet because when it, when you come down and you sit down to write it, I mean, all those things just disappear. That's such a good tip. I love that. Or having like a little notebook in your purse because yeah. I often think of things, like you said, when I'm out and about and I completely forget it. I'm like, oh, I'll remember that. And then of course I never do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or a note on your phone or something like that. Oh, you know? yeah. Right. Yes. That's great. Well, if anything else comes to mind, like just fun little words or ways to spruce it up, let me know. You can chime back in. But I was going to ask you, because this is one of the things that I said early on, is that you believe that changing up your writing and writing like a human being and not always being an SEO robot can be a secret weapon for food bloggers because we do a lot of writing. So talk about that. What are your, like, how do you back that up? How can this be our secret weapon? Yes. So I think it comes down to sort of what we were talking about before with that really adding in your personality and giving some warmth to your writing. And I think it's a way to differentiate yourself from other bloggers. There's a lot of us out in the world and a lot of food websites, but there's only one you. So wherever you can, bring yourself and your personality and bring that to your brand and bring that to your writing. It makes a huge difference and it's the way that that you can, yeah, like we were saying before, that you can be different from from a more corporate food website. And, you know, I get a lot of feedback from readers that, you know, they talk about how I write and how they feel like they do know me. And I think sometimes we limit ourselves to, you know, if we got an email from someone, we might write back in a certain way. But we can we can write back in that friendly 
you know, kind or whatever it is that you want to be and you are, we can use that across our whole site and all of our social platforms. You know, it's when you get a DM and Instagram and everything, like I feel like I hope wherever I am on my site, whether I'm writing my blog posts, whether I'm writing a caption for Instagram stories or if I'm answering comments, that I am me and I am writing exactly the same really across all of those different platforms so that, you know, I am me and Sweetest Menu is me and uh, readers can get to know you as a person and that's how they make a connection to you and that's why they'll come back, you know, to your site eventually. Like that's how you'll get like your super fans, if that makes sense. Like anyone can come to your site to get a great recipe. You know, they might come and use a recipe and then and then disappear. But for the people that are going to keep coming back and keep wanting to connect with you and actually do things like go on your email list or join you on social media, they're people that, you know, what I think of your true fans, your true core, like core readers, and they want to be there because they like you and they, they feel like they know you. And, I mean, that's how it is with celebrities, right? Like, or like, you know, people from TV, like we, you know, might watch a reality show or something and we feel like we get to know them. Oh, you know, and then, you know, we want to follow them on social media. And I'm not, I'm not saying we're reality stars <laughs> at all. Please, like, do not take that from what I'm saying. But I just mean, yeah, you know, humans are all about connection. And yeah, we, we can just use our words to make those connections and to showcase our personality and who we are. And I think when you kind of do that, and move away from being like too robotic or too corporate, it makes it fun. Like it brings the fun back into blogging. Wow, Jessica, that was amazing. I loved everything you said. That was so well said. And yeah, like words are powerful, right? And we tend to like shove them aside as food bloggers sometimes because we place, I guess, like creativity, creative power on photographs and the way we present visual things on social media and on our blogs. And we often forget about the words and the words are just sitting there like, spruce me up, use me. I'm powerful too. Which is crazy because at the end of the day, we have recipe writers. We're writers. You're a writer. (laughs) Out there, if you're wondering, you know, if you think you're just a blogger, you're not, you're a writer. You're a professional writer. That's an area that that we can all upskill in and we can all use to our advantage. Yes. Oh, this is amazing. And I just thought of the lemon drop thing that I mentioned earlier. You could say, I could say something like luscious lemon drop since you mentioned the the lemon and the alliteration. Luscious lemon drop on a beautiful summer day. Like maybe more painting a picture about what it's like to enjoy a cocktail a lemon cocktail on a hot summer day or something like that would be more inviting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Paint a picture. Yeah. Yeah, People think, yeah, I would really, you know, I could picture myself out on my lounge, you know, sun lounger in the sun by the pool, enjoying, you know, a lovely lemon cocktail. (laughs) Yeah. That's way more enticing than my husband makes this in the summer. Like, okay, that's yeah. cool. But I'm not picturing, I'm just picturing my husband making, slaving away in the kitchen. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's so good. Okay. Is there anything we've forgotten, Jessica, before we move on and start saying goodbye? Just one more little piece of advice I would give, which I found quite interesting when, when I started working in writing 
is that we are recommended to write to only to a fifth grade standard. Yeah, so the question often is, can a 10-year-old understand this? And I think it's just important to remember to really write simply and clearly and with consistency. And so, yeah, I think sometimes people think, you know, to be a good writer, you must use all these big words and you must write really long form, you know, more like that journalistic kind of content. But as a copywriter and a blogger, it's just writing really clearly and simply and so anyone can understand it. Uh, One piece of advice I would have for people is really getting to know your readers as well because then you will know how to talk to them. And one thing, you know, for example, it's so easy these days to create polls and to get feedback like instantly, right, on social media. So, you know, when I would work as a UX writer, we would often do focus groups, you know, and we would do them online or we would get people to come in and we would go over, you know, the words with them. And it was like a big complicated process. But now, you know, you can just do that at the drop of the hat. And the great thing about that is you can just find out more from their perspective, right? Because at the end of the day, we can you know, it might sound like a bit bit like a vanity project when I'm talking like, oh, you can talk about yourself and about you and blah, blah, blah. But it's also, you know, obviously a big part is about your readers and what what they want to hear, what they want to know. And one thing that I've done a few times as well is once I've published a recipe, you know, and I really try to channel my readers and think, you know, what is every piece of information that they want, you know, when when they're going to make this recipe. But Sometimes it can be as simple as I will ask a question after I publish a recipe and I'll say, oh, do you have any questions about the recipe? And obviously some people will ask questions that are already in the post and you'll go, yeah, yeah, I've included that information. But a lot of people will ask things I think, I never even thought of that. And that's so eye-opening for me because I can take all of that all of those insights and next time I come to write a recipe, I, you know, I can include whatever it was that maybe was missing or I hadn't thought about, you know, how they were using it. And they they will tell you how they're going to use this recipe and what, therefore what information is important to them. And it will help you see their priorities, which is very important then when you're, you know, putting together and crafting a post and a recipe. You were just giving extra tips, which these are so amazing. And it- I am so inspired to just go like spruce up my social copy a little bit. And everything you're saying is just incredible and inspiring. So thank you. Is there anything else? I didn't mean to like cut you off. Oh, no, no, not at all. No, that's it. Thank you. I'm glad. Since I feel like, yeah. Thank you. I feel like this is going to be a super inspiring episode. And we have talked about writing before on eBlog Talk, but not... Like this, this is really unique. It's like getting into how to make your writing juicy and interesting and just more desirable, I think. Just like yes. our food. Like we want our yeah. food to be that, but we can do that through words. That's a great way to describe it. Thank you, Jessica. I hope you have a wonderful day in Australia. I know you're just starting your day. So thanks for getting up early for us. No worries. Yeah. Well, it was awesome to talk to you again. We are wondering if you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with us this time around. One piece of inspiration that I have is one of my copywriting mentors who used to be my old boss. She just told me one day to write how you would talk. And I know that sounds really simple and like it doesn't have much meaning, but it really meant a lot to me. And I use that 
often when I'm writing and I think just remembering when you sit down to just write like you would talk to a person, there's a real person on the other side and a great way to check if you have written how you would talk is to read your writing out loud once you've written it and, and see if it actually you know, flows and actually does make sense. And that's a really great way to just do a a double check on your writing. That is a great tip too. And I always love it when I read something from somebody that I know and I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds just like the way they talk, right? You just know it right away. And then sometimes you'll get something from someone you know, and it doesn't sound like them. And you're like, wait, what? Would you really say that? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Great tips. Oh my gosh. This is packed full of awesomeness. So thanks again. We will put together a show notes page for you, Jessica. You can find those at eatblogtalk.com forward slash sweetest menu. That was a lot of S sounds. (laughs) Tell everyone where they can find you online, on social media and everywhere else. Yes, you can find me on sweetestmenu.com or come join me on Instagram at sweetestmenu. I'm over there every day and love to chat. Thank you so much for being here again, Jessica. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.